Hi, I'm so glad you're listening in today. This episode is a follow-up from last week, or the last episode if you weren't listening in real time. So if you haven't listened to episode 36, go back and do that one first. It helps set the stage for the following secrets. Okay, I know, wasn't very nice of me last week to tease you like that. Get you all excited about what you can do about your emotional eating by sharing three secrets with you and then not sharing all the juicy details of each one. But I also want to make sure these episodes are easy to consume, which means sometimes splitting up some of the episodes that have more content. And let's be real. I know this because I'm guilty of it too. Had I shared all the details of the three secrets, you would have forgotten most of what I said before you were able to put it into practice. This way, you get to experience a little of the anticipation of opening Christmas presents. And guess what? It's finally Christmas morning. So let's get into the secrets, shall we? Diet culture wants you to feel bad about yourself. That's how it's gotten to be an absurdly big, multi-billion dollar a year industry. Diet culture has convinced you that emotional eating is a bad thing. The biggest secret, secret number one, is that emotional eating is not a bad thing. Let me say that again for the people in the back. Secret number one, emotional eating is not a bad thing. In fact, it's a valid coping tool and it's something we all do, even if we don't realize it. Think about why you eat. How often are you eating because you're hungry? How often are you eating for any other reason? Sometimes we eat because it's time to, as in, we eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner at pretty much the same time every day because that's how our schedules work. In these instances, we may or may not be hungry, and we eat because it's time to. Other times we eat because we're feeling something, or we're wanting to avoid feeling something. Think back to the last episode when I talked about eating the entire stuffed crust pizza while my husband was out of the house. What could I have been feeling in that moment that I didn't want to feel? Some nights I was feeling lonely. Brian had friends and family and did things with them on a regular basis. I had only his friends and family. I didn't have any of my own at that time. So here was my best friend and significant other going out every Wednesday while I stayed home alone. So I'd eat. Some nights I was just bored. I wasn't really hungry, but I wanted something to do, and just watching TV wasn't enough. So I'd eat. Some nights I was feeling stressed. It had been a long day at the daycare with kids screaming, crying, loads of dirty diapers, and I just wanted to escape from that feeling. And sitting down to Project Runway or Grey's Anatomy with my new best friend, Stuffed Crust Pizza, was my way of winding down and getting away from it all. So I'd eat. I'd eat when I was lonely. I'd eat when I was sad. I'd eat when I was happy. I'd eat when I was bored. I'd eat to celebrate. I'd eat when I was mad. I'd eat when I was feeling good about myself. And I'd eat when I was feeling disgusted with myself. Think of a time you aren't feeling something. Whether it's sad, happy, mad, bored, annoyed, tired, scared, you name it. Thinking about it, the only time I know for sure that I'm not feeling something is when I'm asleep. And that's because I'm not consciously aware of myself. We are human. Well, at least to my knowledge, everyone listening is a human. 
And humans feel. Humans are emotional. That's one of the things that sets us apart from other living creatures. Is this making sense so far? If we listen to the diet gurus to end emotional eating, we're supposed to not eat when we're emotional. So the only time I'm supposed to eat is when I'm sleeping? I don't think so. My point is, is that we as humans are always emotional. So every time we eat, we are emotionally eating. And I, for one, don't want to give that up. Have you tasted how amazing a homemade cheesecake tastes? Or your favorite glass of wine? Or how about a fresh lemonade or iced tea on a hot summer day? No way am I missing out on those pleasures in life. What tastes, foods, and little pleasures in life are you not willing to give up, friend? Do we need to put an end to emotional eating? Oh, hell no. What I'm suggesting is we embrace it since we're going to do it anyway. I know this seems counterintuitive, so listen up. I've tried so many diets. Diets where I needed to eat less than 1,000 calories per day. Diets where I needed to eat more fat and protein while limiting carbs. Diets where I needed to drink apple cider vinegar three times a day. Diets where I had to take pills before every meal. Diets where I had to prepare foods I'd never tried and had trouble finding in my small grocery store. Diets where I had to drink a shake at breakfast and lunch. Diets where I spent thousands of dollars on products that would help me lose belly fat. How about you? Have you been on all the diets? If there's a diet, I've probably tried it. And you know what I've learned along the way? That each time I cheat, and trust me, I always cheat on a diet, I feel like crap. The negative thoughts would start. Something like, you're such a loser. You'll never get this right. Why do you have to be such a fat ass? You have no willpower. So, I tried building my willpower muscle. I had read somewhere that to strengthen willpower, I needed to reduce the amount of decisions I had to make. So that when it was time to make a decision about food or exercise, I could make the right decision. So I'd schedule my entire day, down to 15-minute increments, including things like showering and brushing my teeth, so that I didn't have to think about it and could use my willpower muscle to turn down the donuts at work. I'd pick out my clothes for the next day. I'd meal plan for the week. I'd plan anything and everything that I could. And some parts of my life were easier. However, it didn't make saying no to the donuts any easier. I read somewhere else that to build my willpower muscle, I needed to practice saying no. So I embraced my inner two-year-old and I said no all the time. I'd say no to things I really wanted. Things that didn't have anything to do with food or exercise. And while saying no was great for setting boundaries with people, when it came to food, I felt like I was missing out. What have you tried to build your willpower muscle? So here I was, failing at diets, failing at building willpower, and feeling like a complete loser who would never figure this out. Cue the negative commentary again. Those negative comments made me feel even worse, which caused me to reach for food for comfort. Food was always there, always willing to be my friend. Food never said mean things to me, so it makes sense that I would turn to something comforting. Only you know what? That caused me to rebound again. So the next day, I'd promise myself that today will be better 
Today will be the day that I stick to the diet, the day my life really starts. And I would, until I was stressed, or upset, or pissed off, or just plain hungry. And I'd cheat, again. And that negative cycle would start all over again. What I didn't realize was that all of these failed diet attempts were actually worse for me than if I had just stayed at the weight I was in the first place. And what I learned is that willpower is a myth. It's not something you're born with, nor is it something you can really strengthen. Because when your body wants something, it will find a way to get it. Diet culture has convinced you you are at fault for all of your failed diet attempts because you don't have enough willpower to stick to it. My second secret is that willpower is a myth. Not mythical, like beautiful and majestic unicorns. No, it's a lie we've all been sold and bought into that only makes us feel like shit. How often have you scolded yourself for eating something bad? I can't tell you how many times I beat myself up for eating pizza and Oreos because I viewed these foods as bad. And then I'd convinced myself I loved the, quote, good foods. Celery, salad, carrots. I thought good food equaled healthy food, and bad foods were things I should stay away from. Each time I ate something good or healthy, I was good and felt good about myself. And each time I ate something bad or unhealthy or junk food, I'd beat myself up. I'd swear I would never eat those bad foods again. Only that never happened quite the way I wanted it to. I was so stuck on this good versus bad, healthy versus unhealthy, until I learned that foods are amoral, meaning they aren't good or bad. It's just food, people. Food has different nutritional components, sure, but that doesn't make a food good or bad. And by placing so much emphasis on food being good or bad, healthy or unhealthy, I was restricting more and more, which led to more and more binges. So my attempts at willpower were leading to binges, and my focus on staying away from bad foods was leading to even more binges. Everything I was trying to stop overeating, to stop emotional eating, was causing me to overeat and binge, and always on the foods I was trying to stay away from. How could this be? Was I so defective in some way? I sure thought so for a long time. Then I studied the psychology of eating, and I learned how we are biologically programmed for self-preservation, meaning we will, or at least our brains and bodies, will do almost anything to keep us alive. Which, by the way, I'm very thankful for. I'm sure you've all heard what happens when we starve ourselves, but I'm going to say it anyway. When we limit the amount of food we are eating, our body thinks we're in a time of famine and that there isn't enough food to survive on. So it holds on to everything we eat in an effort to keep us alive until the next feast period. So every time we go on a diet and restrict our calories or certain foods, it sends them. So every time you go on a diet and restrict your calories or certain foods, it sends a message to your body that there isn't enough food and it should store what little calories you're eating for a later time. Have you ever gone low calorie? only to not lose weight, or even worse, gain weight? Did you know the best predictor of weight gain is the intentional pursuit of weight loss? Yep, it's true. All of your attempts to lose weight 
have made your struggle worse. Let me know if this sounds familiar to you. During the week, I would be so good. I'd eat all the salads, all the plain baked chicken, and all the raw carrots. I'd be so proud of myself for sticking to the diet. I'd pretend I wasn't craving chocolate and that if I could just get through this day, the cravings would go away. I'd pretend I was happy while inside I was miserable. All I really wanted was something sweet and to feel satisfied. Friday would roll around and I'd think to myself, I did so well all week. I deserve a treat. So we'd go out for pizza or Chinese and I'd tell myself I was going to be good and have just one slice of pizza or one trip to the buffet. But once the yumminess hit my mouth, I was done for. Who was I kidding? I couldn't eat just one. And so the binge would begin. And since I had blown it on pizza, I may as well have some Oreos and some ice cream and whatever else was hiding in the cabinets. I'd tell myself, tomorrow I'll start the diet again. This one time won't make that much difference. But boy, was I wrong. So wrong. The next day, I'd get back on the diet wagon and eat all the salads, carrots, and plain baked chicken. I'd meal prep for the next week, promising myself the next weekend would be different. I wouldn't go out or order in. I'd stick to the meal plan. Until I was exhausted from the week and didn't want to cook, so I'd order pizza for dinner. I'd promise myself just one slice, but as we all know, you could never have just one. And so the cycle would repeat. I was stuck on the diet roller coaster, and I hate roller coasters, friend. My attempts to restrict would always lead to a binge. Sometimes I wouldn't even last a full week without a binge. I'd often have some type of smoothie or shake for breakfast, and either another protein shake or some type of green salad for lunch. Then at dinner, I'd have two helpings of whatever we prepared, and more often than not, I'd be hungry before bed and find myself raiding the freezer for ice cream or going through the cupboards looking for something else. Have you ever done something like that? Looking at the binge restrict cycle, which is what this is, I learned that I was restricting throughout the day. So by the time dinner rolled around, my body was starving. And here was its opportunity to get that much-needed fuel that I had deprived it of all day. It didn't matter why I was restricting or what I was restricting. At some point, my body revolted against me and would binge. I hated this roller coaster I was on. I hated my body for sabotaging me. I just wanted to enjoy food without all the internal negative commentary. Was that too much to ask? Actually, it wasn't too much to ask, and we'll get to that in a few minutes. Did you know that this repeated yo-yo dieting, losing and gaining, is actually harder on your body than if you had stayed consistent at any size? Any size, larger, smaller, anywhere in between. Let's look briefly at some of the effects yo-yo dieting has on the body. Increased appetite due to the hormone leptin decreasing. This is the hormone that helps you feel full. Higher body fat percentage because of lost muscle mass. Muscle loss. Slower metabolism. Fatty liver. An increased risk of developing type 2 diabetes. An increased risk of heart disease. Increased blood pressure. Mental and emotional stress can lead to disordered eating and eating disorders. And let me remind you, these are all 
the effects of dieting. Dieting causes these, not weight gain, dieting. I share these effects of yo-yo dieting to help you stay away from diets and attempts to lose weight. I want you to know what is happening to your body each time you lose and gain those 20 pounds. And it's not really the gaining of the weight that's causing it. So now that we know the effects of yo-yo dieting, and we know that willpower isn't a thing to be relied upon, we know restricting leads to binging. What do we do? We lean on secret number three. Mindfulness feels like a buzzword these days, and I'm happy to share I've been practicing and teaching mindfulness in my counseling and coaching practices long before it became the cool thing to do. But how is mindfulness the answer to ending overeating and binge eating? I'm so excited to share with you, friend. I spent years putting this into practice and testing it on myself and figuring out the simplest way to eat mindfully. Before we dive further into that, let's start with chatting about what mindful eating is and isn't. In its most simplest definition, it is eating while being mindful and present. Duh. Mindful eating is not vegging in front of the TV while eating dinner. It is not scarfing down lunch while driving down the highway. Mindful eating is not getting to the bottom of the chip bag and wondering where the chips went. Mindful eating is paying attention to the food you are eating. It is being present fully in that moment, turning off the TV, leaving your phone in another room, setting down the book, magazine, or newspaper. Mindful eating is savoring every bite. It's being in tune with your body and knowing when you are hungry and when you are satisfied. Mindful eating is slowing down with your food and having it last. When we eat mindfully and slow down, we have a huge impact on our digestion. Slowing down helps to improve digestion, leading to the foods we are eating being properly broken down and utilized where we need them. This simple act of slowing down while eating can also decrease heartburn, gas, and belching. Sometimes the simple act of slowing down and eating mindfully is all you need to do to eliminate some of your complaints and change your relationship with food, which is why I teach it at the start. This is also at the foundation of having a healthy relationship with food. I'd love to give you some tips on how you can slow down with eating and practice mindful eating. To do this, we're going to use our five senses. So first, what are our five senses? Sight, touch, sound, smell, and obviously taste. So the next time you sit down to eat, I want you to remember these five senses and use them while eating. Look at your food. I mean, really look at it. Is it visually pleasing? If not, try to do what fancy restaurants do when they plate the food. If your food is pretty, notice it, appreciate it, and appreciate the work that went into preparing it. Take a couple of deep breaths in, really smelling whatever meal is in front of you. Appreciate all the smells wafting up from the food. Who knew that sound and hearing had so much to do with food? I bet you didn't know that when companies designed potato chips that a lot of research went into making the chip crack at a specific decibel that was found to be pleasing and satisfying to the ear. Wild, right? So just take a few moments to notice sounds while you're eating. 
Notice how the food feels while eating it. How does it feel in your mouth? Is it too hot, cold, or just right? I have a thing with textures, and there are certain foods that I cannot stand, in part because of their textures. Anyone else like this? Pears, for example. I've never liked pears. Really hate the grittiness of them. And finally, taste. This one seems like a no-brainer. I get it. But how many times have you eaten foods that you did not like the taste of? Why? Why do you do this? For some of us, it has been ingrained in us to think we need to eat things because they are healthy for us, even when we don't like the taste of them. Before we say farewell today, let's recap just a bit because I want to make sure this sticks with you and you can use this long after you've stopped listening to this podcast. Whenever you eat, enlist your five senses along the way. Prepare pretty food or plate it to make it look pretty rather than the dungeons just slopping it on a plate for you. Take a few deep breaths before eating and savor the smells. Listen to your eating. Feel how the food feels in your mouth and stay away from textures and tastes that you don't like. And lastly, savor the flavor. I spent over a year figuring out how to be mindful with food, giving myself permission to eat whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted it, and learning that no food is off limits. Let me save you valuable time and the frustration of figuring out how to control your impulses and beat the mindset that foods are good or bad. I'll also help you overcome cravings and teach you how to listen to your body so that you no longer look to someone else to tell you how to eat. Because you, my friend, are the expert on you, not someone else. If you're interested in working together on ending your struggle with emotional eating so that you can finally get off and stay off the diet roller coaster, I'd love to chat with you. The next round of the Emotional Eating Revolution will be starting soon. Let's see if this is a good option for you. In the show notes is a link for you to book your consultation call with me. I look forward to hearing from you. Until next time, friend, all the best.